0: On today's Recur Now, success is no longer measured by products sold. We're diving deep on why. From ProfitWells Boston HQ,
1: it is Tuesday, October 1. I'm Abby Sullivan. And I'm Grace Gagnon. It's a beautiful day to subscribe. Up first, your top subscription news. Recurly raises $19.5 million to boost subscription revenue with machine learning. And Medium drops an article on why product marketing plays a critical role as a translation layer. For more info on these headlines, check your subscriber newsletter. If you're not on the list, sign up to get daily episodes delivered at RecurNow.com. Over to Abby with your extended headlines. Beyond Pricing raises a cool $42
0: million to tell you what to charge on Airbnb. It's no secret we're pricing fanatics, so we're digging this one big time. And Josh Constein from TechCrunch can attest. Most people just guess how to price, especially with their vacation rental, based on minimum research or using something like Airbnb's suggestions that really just want to maximize their own revenue. Beyond Pricing aligns itself with homeowners taking 1% of bookings to optimize their rates on a daily basis. It now handles more than 150,000 listings with Airbnb. Here's how it works. You connect your Airbnb and other vacation rental platforms or your own rental calendar. Beyond Pricing scours all the platforms for what similar homes charge, their vacancy rates, what hotels are charging, historic and current demand fluctuations, airline info, weather, you name it. You can view charts of prices in your Neighborhood or nearby hotels and adjust the base and minimum rates. Then Beyond Pricing automatically applies its daily rates to your listing or lets you export them to start earning the most possible, essentially providing people with the technology big hotel chains use. It costs just 1% to earn people 10 to 40% more. Now we understand how Beyond Pricing Loki raised 2 $2,000 mil in 2016, announcing now a whopping 42.5 Series A. Simply genius. Christian Owens, founder and CEO of Paddle, releases a piece on Forbes regarding Stripe's recent valuation. At $35 billion, the tech world is undoubtedly buzzing. Last week, we touched on Stripe, a company that enables commerce across the internet, and its 250 mil round of funding. Apparently, some have considered 35 bill an overvaluation. But Owens says no way. He makes a super solid argument with the data to back it, weaving in competitor numbers and revenue. Add to it the growing number of additional services Stripe is adding. Loans. Capital, radar, a fraud product, card issuing. And you start to get a picture for how this massive portfolio of customers and diverse offering of products, which can be upsold and cross-sold, make for a healthy business. And why $35 billion seems pretty dang fair. And that perhaps enabling commerce in the age of the internet is more important than many think. And now, Grace goes deep on
1: the retail revival. The days of going to the store, buying a new product, and then falling off the radar as soon as you pay are long gone. The customer experience has entered a new realm, and it's reviving retail. Amy Connery, Zora Vice President of Customer Business Innovation and Chair of the Subscribed Institute, looks at Amazon and Costco for learnings on this retail revival. She says Amazon is not successful because of its e-commerce offerings. Rather, its success stems from a customized and simple simple shopping experience. That's because consumers have moved on from new technology innovations. Connery says the subscription economy, a phrase coined by Zora, is all about
2: Automating relationships and building relationships that get better over time.
1: It's proven by data, Amazon Prime has surpassed more than 100 million subscribers in the United States. Amazon collects data every second of the day. Customer reviews are constantly coming in, providing twofold feedback, giving customers info on a product, and Amazon Intel on how customers enjoy a product. For Amazon and other successful subscription companies, the work isn't done once the sale is made.
2: It's easy to, to, to take a piece of data and spin it any way that you want. You can tell any story you want with data. And so I, as someone who've, who've spent my career in data, have always gone back to people. How do people feel about that? And fortunately, in the subscription economy, for all of us, it's about people. And, and that's where things like behavioral economics and behavioral science can really come into play when you're making decisions about what the data is showing you. On the
1: other side of the table, there's Costco. As Connery points out, it presents a big threat to Amazon because of the loyalty it's earned through a paid membership model. Costco stands with about 94 million members and holds a 91% membership renewal rate. Connery says it's all thanks to great prices and even better customer service. As Connery says, it's not necessarily about e-commerce versus traditional retail. Costco is traditional, but it's nailed down a meaningful customer relationship. Now that it's got the traditional side mastered, it's moving into the e-commerce space, proving commitment to streamlining the customer experience. At ProfitWell, we know this all too well. Recurring revenue as the backbone of a membership-based company. Connery offers some advice on transitioning to the subscription space. Moving to
2: a mode where... Where the is at the center requires a lot of changes within your organization, requires a lot of changes in your channel, requires changes in your innovation department, changes in marketing, changes how you sell, changes in how you represent the value that it is that you provide out to the world. So instead of we provide this amazing, slick, great product that clicks all of these different buttons, it's we actually provide an experience for you. We solve a problem for you, the customer.
1: At ProfitWell, we work with more than 8,000 subscription companies. So we understand the consumer is the center of the subscription model. And oftentimes, pricing plays a big role in the customer experience and can make or break recurring revenue. And that's it for your subscription news for October 1st.
0: We'll have more for you here tomorrow. And now, a teaser for the ProfitWell Report. You've got the questions.
1: How does churn differ across different subscription markets?
0: And we have the data.
3: We looked at churn data from just over 8,000 different subscription companies across five different industries.
0: A brand new ProfitWell Report comes out tomorrow. Sign up at ProfitWellReport.com. And now we're joined by some of our ProfitWell crew in a segment we call Overrated Underrated, where Andrew Gere, Ian Black, Neil Desai, Gina Aganson, and myself debate the value of customer success teams. All right, what about on the opposite end of that, sorta, what about customer success teams? Overrated or underrated?
4: I think they're overrated.
0: Really? It's
4: like I'm always caught in between, I don't know if you're trying to help me or trying to sell me something. And I'm fine with either or, I just wanna know where you're coming from. I think it's overrated in the sense that Today, customer success, I think, is seen as just being sort of a standard or, or a band-aid that you throw um, w- w- on on top of what could be, like, not shysty sales practices, but, like, you know, ways to get get as much business through as possible, having a customer success team in place to actually ensure that, you know, they use the product, but... There isn't always like a big difference between support and customer success. I think that's why it can be overrated. It's like there has to be something more. There has to be like driving strategic initiatives forward. Ensuring that they renew is a big part of that. And I think also ensuring that they're actually like purchasing more. So I think customer success is sort of like a sales element. If, if it can be done right, if that makes sense.
3: I, I think it's very underrated. I think we're conflating what customer success is and what it should be.
0: Yeah, what would you define it as, Neil? Because sometimes I think I'm a little confused as well as like a blanket term.
3: Yeah, I think the rise of customer success has really uh, been because of the subscription economy and the s- subscription model, right? I think customer success has three main functions. Number one, r- keep churn low. All right? First and foremost, they exist to keep churn low. Second is upsell your existing user base into... Expansionary revenue and more, more money, right? And number three is create advocacy and champions of your user base to create, you know, uh, fans and, and help recruit even more users. Mm-hmm. So I think understanding the tenets of customer success and what it should be, uh, separating it from what it has become at a lot of companies is is an important distinction
4: we should keep in mind. Mm-hmm. I think what gets me is that you've described support sales and marketing all under one role, Which
5: is why they're incredibly underrated. I'm with you here, Neil. It's quite often customer success teams actually don't have enough headcount, don't have enough staffing management support to really grow into what is an incredibly important function for long-term growth, right? We're all advocates of the fact that monetization, monetization, monetization to grow your business the way that you have good monetization or good monetization strategies in place and increase your ARPU over time is also with really happy customers who retain. And I agree with Neil that yeah. like that's customer success.
3: I think it's a mindset shift from having customer success be a cost center to a profit center, right? Understanding it can be a key driver in revenue over the long term. Um, I think changes the, the way in which we think about prioritizing customer success.
4: Do you think there needs to be a difference, between, do you think there needs to be a breakout between support versus customer success? Yes.
3: Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely, yeah. I think support is more reactionary, right? Uh, addressing issues, bugs, challenges that customers are facing. Whereas customer success in an ideal world is proactive outreach and proactive uh, helping the customer. In whatever way you define success, that can mean different things for different types of users. But being more proactive than reactionary.
4: I think I'd like that if customer success is looking at the features you're paying for, but you're not using. And they just reach out and say, hey, did you know you have all this? Like, happy to get you set up. Yeah, And then yep. there's no sale there. They've already made the sale. You just get you deeper into the platform. Totally. And then you're going to get more ingrained and you're going to naturally upsell yourself, I think. That's that the point. value
5: of onboarding with a customer success specialist as well, right? right? Being mm-hmm. able to actually work with someone of like, hey, these are the pain points that we flagged during the sales process. Or if it was a touchless sale... Please identify, you know, what you're looking to solve and then actually getting the guidance.
0: So, Neil, you're saying ideally there's a difference between the customer success and
3: support. What Mm -hmm. about a
0: a tiny startup that has eight people? Which one do you prioritize?
3: That's a good question. I think at a tiny startup, uh, folks are wearing, wearing many hats. And I think you have to put on your support hat or your success hat based on the situation. Um, You know, I think there are times on the product team over at ProfitWell where we're wearing all three hats at once, right? First and foremost, uh, the customer needs to be able to do their job. And if that means helping them in a support capacity, great. If that means helping them discover new features, fine, right? So I think uh, at any startup, especially at at that size, folks are wearing many hats at once.
0: Mm -hmm. Very true. I mean, even here as well, and we're up to, what, 80 employees, so... Yeah. I can see that. And there you have it, your October 1 episode of Recur Now. Check back here tomorrow because we're doing it all again. And if you know anyone who'd want to get on the list to receive daily episodes, send them over to RecurNow.com.